Welcome to Talk World Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. This week on Talk World Radio, the sneaky, if not sleazy, bipartisan privatization of Medicare. Our guest, Kay Tillo, is chair of Kentuckians for Single-Payer Healthcare and coordinator of Unions for Single-Payer Healthcare. She is a retired union organizer who has worked for decades with nurses and other hospital workers. Kay Tillo, welcome to Talk World Radio. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for what you're doing, uh, working for single-payer health care. I thought that Medicare was simply and by definition public and that even an easy way to get fully public health coverage would simply be to expand Medicare. So what does it mean to privatize Medicare? Well, I wish what you said were true, but... We have for a long time had a privatization process going on with Medicare. And uh, a part of that is the Medicare Advantage programs that really disadvantage us, but they are privatized for-profit programs that are sold to the public. And of course they have been allowed by legislation and regulation so that they're really ripping us off and uh, uh, giving less care and doing denials, et cetera. And they now have about 42% of the Medicare beneficiaries. But in addition to that, there is something called direct contracting entities. And that's the newer privatization scheme, which looks at those 58% that have chosen traditional Medicare, public uh, Medicare, and it's handing those over to Wall Street uh, venture capitalists, hedge funds, insurance industry, et cetera, in a model plan that's being run out of something called the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation. And it's under the, you know, administration of Medicare, and it is doing model programs where it is giving to 53 different for-profit entities the chance to make money off of Medicare. And it's underway now. It was, um, it was well, I first learned about it when Trudy Lieberman wrote a piece, I think in December of 2020. And uh, she warned, she said, there's an under-the-radar program that seeks to privatize all of Medicare. And it puts uh, seniors, the beneficiaries, into these plans without their consent. In other words, they don't have to worry about getting Joe Namath out there to sell the plans. They're simply auto-enrolling or what they, the word they use is aligning. They are aligning you into one of these plans, which means they then pay the direct contracting entity a capitated sum uh, for your care. And they have, by that process, reversed the incentive to give you care. In other words, uh, 
if if you under traditional Medicare, if you use a hospital or see a physician or physical therapist, there is a fee for service. There's a payment from Medicare for that particular thing. And if there is more care, more is paid. Well, this has reversed that incentive under the direct contracting. There's a capitated payment so that they get to keep more of the money if they give less care. And that's what is so damaging to us. And uh, it's through the capitation and also through something called upcoding that they, uh, uh, they make people seem sicker than they are in order to increase the money. So, for instance, uh, a direct contractor could be paid 4000 a year for a Medicare uh, beneficiary. But if they say the person has this and that and is morbidly obese and has congestive heart failure and tick off another number of things, they can get the rate up to 38000 a year. So it's a very lucrative thing. Uh, Wall Street is happy as can be over the possibilities. And what is so tragic is that no one knows about it. The seniors don't know about it. Congress isn't saying anything or doing anything about it. It's a completely under-the-radar program that will indeed privatize Medicare within a few years. It's now operating in 38 states, and there are 53 direct contracting entities. One of them is our very own Humana here in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, they're happy to get into this business. They make most of their money now. They make by public money gets paid to them, and then they're supposed to, you know, they do Medicare Advantage as well, but they now have a direct contracting entity. And so, Kay Tillo, if you are a recipient or a beneficiary of Medicare and you've either chosen the disadvantage of Medicare Advantage or you've been put, you know, unbeknownst to you, you've been stuck into this new privatization program uh, and you discover it and you notice that you're not getting the treatment that you should be getting, that that there's a new uh, effort to deny you uh, medical care. What ca can you can you proactively opt back in to the public Medicare? Do you have that choice if you know enough and and act on it? Well, I've been reading about this and trying to learn and try asking that question and trying to understand. It appears to me that you are automatically enrolled in it you are supposed to be informed about it. In other words, you're supposed to get an annual letter that says, you know, you're, you're in this entity. But I don't think there's a way to get out of it other than to leave your physician because the physician practice has become a part of a direct contracting entity. And as long as you're with a physician who is in one of those, that's the payment that 
will be made and you are in it <laughs> without your uh, without your consent, which is one of the terrible things for those who always want choice, choice, you know. <laughs> yeah. So you have to find a physician who's made a public commitment to stick with public Medicare and switch to that physician? Well, I, I think that's the answer. You know, this is all very complex and unclear. And I, I've been listening, reading their white papers and listening to uh, Liz Fowler and uh, her uh, others in the Innovation Center and it's difficult to ascertain all of the answers. And I asked that question in one of, they had a webinar, but they didn't choose me to be one of the people who got to ask a question. Uh, they were all, all of the people that got to speak were direct contracting entities. So uh, my question was, uh, if I don't choose to be uh a beneficiary included in a direct contracting entity, can I get out? And if so, how? They didn't answer it. So I'm not certain of the answer, but I believe because they, you can be enrolled either through voluntarily signing up to be in one of these, or you can be enrolled through I have to think of the term um, assignment, assignment by uh, by how the billing is done. In other words, if you go to a doctor who is a part of a practice that's a part of this, you get assigned into that direct contracting entity. And, you know, yeah. one of our problems is that so many physician practices in other parts of our healthcare system are being bought up by private equity. So it's no longer, you know, the little physician <laughs> office down the street. There's uh, an entity that uh, controls that physician practice. Right. And uh, so some of the direct contracting entities are like, for instance, Village MD. Village MD is one of the... <laughs> No, not what it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not your little country doctor. <laughs> but, you know, that's a direct contracting entity. And, uh, you know, well, they say we're fortunate. There was a, a right now the program that they're modeling that's underway is called Global and Professional Direct Contracting. There was another one that they had underway, which was geographic direct contracting. <laughs> and that one put all of the people in a city into a DCE, city by city. And they had 15 cities and they weren't little ones. It wasn't Paducah, Kentucky. It was Atlanta and Houston and Philadelphia and Los Angeles and all of the people who were Medicare beneficiaries in that city were going to be aligned <laughs> into a direct contracting entity. Now, that one has been put on hold, uh, let's see, for review, I think. So it didn't go forward, but I don't know that it went backward. 
I don't right. know where you went. <laughs> you know, these these people talk in a strange language that's very difficult yes, for mere mortals to understand. <laughs> I think, Kay Tillo, I think this should be an important lesson for the world at the big democracy summit. Uh, make everything too complicated and obscure for anyone to comprehend. Don't answer anyone's questions and you'll be better able to rip them off. You know, important democracy lesson. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit about the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation and who and what it is and where it came from. It came from Obamacare, right? It came from the Affordable Care Act, which was the indeed the Health Care Reform Act that was passed in 2010. And it was set up under that. I think, uh, you know, if we go back to that time, at the time I was active in single-payer healthcare, that fight that still continues, which is really the key fight. I mean, that's where we as a nation have to go in order to cover our people. And um, at the time, uh, you'll remember that Max Baucus was the head of the Senate Finance Committee. And yes. uh, he uh, he's the one who had the doctors and nurses and other people arrested because they suggested that the hearings be open to people who advocated for single payer health care. So um, did they have even a single person speak who wasn't in favor of, of the opposite, right? Yeah. No, well, I think eventually they did, but you know they never listened. And the person who uh, who who wrote the Affordable Care Act, I mean, everyone says that is Elizabeth Fowler. And uh, this Liz Fowler is really an operative for the insurance industry. She was a vice president of uh, WellPoint, which I think became Anthem. And she wrote the bill. Everyone says Liz Fowler wrote the bill. You know, <laughs> she worked with Max Baucus in the Senate Finance Committee. Well, after Liz Fowler left there, I think she went to work for Johnson & Johnson, another... <laughs> one of the <laughs> medical uh, profiteers. She was with the Commonwealth Fund for a time. Well, guess what? She's been appointed by Biden to be the director of the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation, which is the agency which within Medicare that is doing these experiments. And um, I think she's up to the same thing <laughs> as before, <laughs> which is clearing the path for profit making in healthcare. And it really is, it's a terrible thing that there seems to be no challenge from, from academics, from, you know, only from a few people, Physicians for a National Health Program, a few others, to what they say they're doing. They say that they are going to cut costs so that because we spend too much, which we spend double per capita what other industrialized nations spend on healthcare. So they say they're going to cut it, but their scheme of how to cut it is they're going to change to something called 
value-based care. Instead of paying fee-for-service, they're supposedly going to determine what the value is and pay on that basis. The reality is <laughs> what they are doing, they want to do away with fee-for-service, and they want to turn over all of healthcare to something that has risk for the physician practice. They want to put the profit motive into all of Medicare because they think that's the way, you see, they'll cut the costs because there will now be a profit motive to cut back on the care. So that's the plan that's underway, and it's terrible. Well, it may cut costs. It'll also cut health. Uh, and, and I remember some of my friends who were arrested in that hearing, uh, people like Margaret Flowers were, were saying then they're going to write this bill so that it has means to exploit it for, for further privatization. And now you have the same person in charge of writing the bill in charge of exploiting what she wrote. Uh, I mean, is there any, do you, do you get to come back and say we were right? Is there any, you know, do you now get to testify in a hearing because you were right and all the people who got to testify were wrong? Is there any sort of, is that built into the system anywhere? Well, you know, we've got to get an upsurge in, um, people taking this on. And of course, you know, we're talking about this because we do believe that when, uh, when our people know uh, that Medicare is under attack and being destroyed, that there will be an outcry, an uprising that perhaps can have the power to stop this. So we're working on it. Margaret yeah. was right, you know, she was right about what was happening. And, um, we are losing Medicare if we don't speak out. But this particular situation, we don't have, you know, the New York Times didn't cover it, the Washington Post didn't cover it. It's nowhere. It's nobody knows about it. And and some people, yourself, and I think there were 1,500 doctors have put out a statement of some kind, right? Right. Uh, Physicians for a National Health Program and a group called National Single Payer and some others have been working on it for some time. There is a little bit of activity. There were four congresspersons who wrote a letter yeah. to uh, Xavier Becerra, the head of Health and Human Services, and they raised the things I'm raising. You know, how can people be put into plans without their consent? And what is to keep people from being exploited as and draining the trust fund like Medicare Advantage is doing by being overpaid by billions? And uh, they, the last, the, the four uh, congresspersons were Katie Porter and Mac uh, Pocan, Pascrell of New Jersey, and Doggett of Texas. And the last I heard, they had not received a response from Becerra, which means they don't think they have to be responsible to the Congress. And indeed, the, one of the things, the crucial fact about this Innovation Center is that if they determine that the plan, the model they tried is good, they can implement it for all of Medicare without congressional approval. 
So you, you know, I remember certain certain unions, including the government workers unions like AFSCME, coming around the country with a big bus and doing little stage rallies about health care. But you were forbidden to have any poster that said single payer because what the Democrats wanted you to demand of the Democrats, sort of inverting the process, was a public option. Uh, and, and so you were allowed to get, we love the public option. You were supposed to, you know, say this as instructed by the people you're trying to, to lobby as your so-called representatives. And then, of course, what it, they seem to have put in there instead of any public option is a private option a way to take the bit that's public and give people the option or even not the option to put them into something private. I mean, it, it, it seems this inversion of democracy uh, didn't work out very well. Um, well, it worked out for some, <laughs> you know, some, yeah. <laughs> some are making big money on it, but you know, that really is the problem. It's the profit in healthcare that makes it cost so much and uh, the administrative costs are geared to the mechanisms that make it profitable. You know, they have utilization review, you know, you don't want anybody to get too much care and um, all of the uh, pre-authorization, you know, the, the barriers to care are in there. They are insurance company mechanisms because they see it as the cost is so high because people are overusing care. And that's not accurate. Yeah, overusing. They're too healthy. What, what is anything happening in Congress? These four members that wrote a letter. I mean, I can write a letter. Is anybody in Congress attempting to legislate in any way? And, and what should people be uh, asking of them? Well, I think that people should ask... Uh, uh, they're asked Becerra uh, to end the direct contracting entities, and they should ask their congressperson to uh, demand that there be a, a, a halt to these and to, and to get in and oversee it and to save Medicare. We have to stop the direct contracting entities. We also need to stop the Medicare Advantage, you know, in, in 2020. There were 403 members of Congress who signed on to a letter organized by the America's Health Insurance Plans to advocate for Medicare Advantage. We love Medicare Advantage. We support Medicare Advantage. And if you think about it, there are only 535 of them. So yeah. <laughs> they had, you know most of them on, and even some of those who are progressive, some of them who've signed on to, you know, single-payer legislation. So we have a big job to do. They have to break these ties with the insurance industry and start siding with the, the people of this country who need care because the barriers are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, we've, we've got a few minutes left uh, speaking with Kay Tillo, who is chair of Kentuckians for Single-Payer Healthcare and coordinator of unions for single-payer healthcare. You're planning a demonstration of some sort in Louisville, Kentucky on December 11th. What are you planning and how can people in other parts of the United States do something similar? 
Well, come to Louisville if you'd like to go uh, with us. But uh, Humana, which has a big marble, very expensive building here uh, in downtown Louisville, and they are one of the direct contracting entities. They're running programs in Texas and Florida and Washington. And so we intend to go to their doorstep and with a... Uh, poem about how the Grinch stole Medicare, and uh, we intend to uh, speak that and sing that and to have a program of protest uh, at on Humana's doorstep, asking them to cease and desist, and also asking our congresspeople to take a stand and fight with us to preserve Medicare and to end the DCE. So it's at 11 o'clock and we'll be on the street with some songs and poems. And we have a, a Grinch, you know, a full in full costume. We will have a Grinch and uh, we'll be at Humana's doorstep. We've been there before. Uh, they know us because they really are uh, one of the big guys that are, is making big money off of public healthcare funds. Okay, Tilla, we have a, about two minutes left. You wouldn't be willing and able to read that poem to us, would you? Oh, I don't think I'm going to be able to find it. <laughs> I don't think okay. I'm going to find it. I don't have it in front well, of if me. You, if you share it with me, we will share it with people uh, at talkworldradio.org. Um, but. Okay. I will send you the poem so that it's about DCEs and, and Medicare being stolen and uh, uh, the fight to stop uh, this plan. And, and what, do you, what do you recommend to people who can't make it to, to Louisville? I know it's, it's right down Interstate 64 from here in Charlottesville, but uh, I don't know if I'll be able to make it. Uh, what, what can people do where they are? Well, I don't know. I've heard some rumor that there might be some demonstration around why, how the Grinch stole Medicare in New York. I'm not certain if that's going to happen, but people could check that out and, uh, you know, do another demonstration about the DCE. Go to see your congressperson. Uh, go to their doorstep and ask that they join us in protecting Medicare. And uh, I think that we should be able to get the public to rise up and demand an end to this. I think we can do that. There's usually every Congress, there are bills in both houses to actually create single payer uh, health coverage in the United States. Uh, how, how are those doing this Congress in comparison to the last dozen or so Congresses? Well, there's no bill at all in the Senate. Uh, no Medicare for all, no single payer. There is one in the House um, with, I think the last I saw, it had 117 co-sponsors. It is not as good as the bill we had uh, under Conyers, which was H.R. 676, which uh, converted the for-profit hospitals. We need to do that. They give worse care and it's lower quality, higher cost, but it is a single-payer bill, and it, it's uh, uh, sponsored by Congresswoman Jayapal, but she hasn't been pushing it. Nobody's been pushing on it, you know. There needs to be uh, 
a higher standard set when the rest of the industrialized world can have universal care. We can't settle for a standard that says, well, you know, just maybe give us a hearing aid or something and we'll be okay. <laughs> Very well said. Appreciate everything you're doing. Kay Tillo is chair of Kentuckians for Single Payer Healthcare and coordinator of Unions for Single Payer Healthcare. Kay, thank you very, very much for coming on Talk World Radio. So happy to be with you. Thank you for caring. This is Talk World Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. Read or listen to today's Peace Almanac entry at peacealmanac.org. All past shows can be heard at talkworldradio.org. Talk World Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way.